This is a sex pot comedy production. this time no it's almost uh, it's almost late at night so we are highly caffeinated from the whole day <laughs> it's 7 49 at night that's not very late it's not 10 p.m no nope. at least this is a decent hour when decent people go do things i don't i don't know how to behave at a decent hour daylight savings happened over the weekend and it has really screwed me up for days one lousy hour has ruined me. I grew up in Arizona. I didn't have to deal with this nonsense until I got to college. So you are from like the only state that is smart about this. There's Yeah, there's two. There's us and um, Hawaii, I believe. Oh, well, that makes sense. But they're smart about most things. They're out in the middle of nowhere and kind yeah. of make their own rules. Or is it Nevada, which isn't Hawaii? I don't remember. Anyways, Arizona. <laughs> At any rate, Arizona doesn't have daylight savings. <laughs> Nevada and Hawaii. Nevada, Hawaii, Minor? same difference. It's the exact same kind of state. <laughs> this is why we do not do a geography podcast. <laughs> um, but, you know, we are required readcast. Exactly. You have to read these books. But uh, our book this week is one that Lauren and I didn't have to read, um, that a bunch of other people did. When we were asking for suggestions, everyone's like, well, have you done The Giver? Yeah. And where were all of you recently? Because y'all came out and said how much you read this book, and then we've heard nothing from you. It was crickets. Uh, everybody was shouting about having to read The Giver. Ugh. And then maybe the memory of having to read The Giver got wiped clean from people's brains somehow. If you had to wipe clean a memory of a book, what would you wipe clean? Oh. Um, probably like the six times I started Infinite Jest before I actually got through it. Oh, God. And I can't stand a fucking confederacy of dunces. Oh! Did you finish that? No, I didn't. Everyone's like, you're going to love it, you're going to love it. And I tried, and Jeff tried, and no. I didn't take to that one. But I would watch Nick Offerman do that role, because he played it recently. Nick Offerman can make anything good. I would watch Nick Offerman do anything. Same. Um, If that was a show like Nick Offerman Cleans Kitchens, I would watch it. Well, his new show with him and Amy Poehler. Is it Nick Offerman cleans Amy Poehler's kitchen? (gasps) No, but it's them judging people making handmade goods. It's like a reality show for people who come on and make arts and crafts. So it's it's like American (laughs) Idol of crafting with Nick Offerman and Amy fucking Poehler. Yes. That sounds like a show I I, should have have now. It's starting really soon, I think, if it hasn't started already. I think it starts at the end of this month. Why are we podcasting? We have to go watch that show now. Okay, stop everything you're doing. Don't even listen to this. Go find that show. Learn to do needlepoint, woodworking, and or uh, macrame, and let's all get on the show. (laughs) I want Amy Poehler to judge my craftiness. I want Amy Poehler to just judge my life. <laughs> Amy In Poehler general. would shake her head. We are not Nick Offerman or Amy Poehler. I'm Jessica Austin. And I'm Lauren Ballman. And we're talking to you, we're talking at you, we're talking near you about The Giver today. By Lois Lowry. By Lois Lowry. But before we get to Lois Lowry's John Newberry Medal Award winning yes. novel, uh, we have an update. Um, what did you call it earlier? Uh, 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 I couldn't think of the right word. The word that we were looking for was update, but I just couldn't think of the word update. And I, uh, I think I called it a ketchup. A ketchup. <laughs> You're saying ketchup. I was like, you call it compost of fun facts. So apparently, this is what my brain is like in the evening. Mm-hmm. Everything I've talked about and learned throughout the day has just gone out the window. We should podcast early in the morning or late at night, never (laughs) at reasonable hours. (laughs) Well, our update is about an article about Harper Lee that was posted, posted, that was published in the New York Times. (laughs) 
they're a real publication. They don't have to post things. Um, just about the sealing and unsealing of her will. And I thought that was really cool. I tweeted it uh, out. So if you want to go to our Twitter account, at REQ Readcast, you can check out that New York Times link. So the article from the New York Times was talking about um, the contents of her will and sort of the debate if they should be sealed or unsealed. You can go to our Twitter, read that article. But I found this just charming description of her. And one of the points they brought up in the article was that she lived very simply. Dude, by the way, the the annual revenue for To Kill a Mockingbird is insane. Like they were saying Still? that her estate regularly earns about $3 million a year from sales of that book. What? Um, and that, yeah, it's crazy. All in that article. Go read wow. it. Wow. But this is a great little tidbit. I just love this paragraph. Ms. Lee had always lived simply, despite her fame and mounting wealth, and long shared a modest brick home in Monroeville with her older sister, Alice, who died in 2014. Ms. Lee could be seen around town in sweatpants, looking for bargains at a Dollar General store, washing her clothes at a local laundromat, drinking coffee at a McDonald's, or eating at David's Catfish House, where her usual iced tea and a small plate of catfish would cost about $6. I want to be Harper Lee when I'm old. That's kind of an amazing life. Although, I want coffee from somewhere other than McDonald's. But other than that, mm-hmm. I'm on board. It's just like she's puttering around town. Oh, like, in her sweatpants. Finally wearing sweats. I'm Harper Lee. Harper Lee. Ugh. She was something else. She was. I thought that was just a charming description. I love that. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, and it raises some interesting questions about the publication of that book and what's being done with her money and where it's entrusted. Right. So check that out, and uh, if you haven't already listened to our To Kill a Mockingbird episode, which is episode two? Three. Three. Yeah. Go yeah, back yeah, and, yeah. Oh, yeah, Three. we started out with the lottery. So go Ooh. back and just give that give that a listen if you want to. Yeah, we talked a lot about um, Harper Lee herself and Monroeville because... Their that's, annual production. That's where they do, yep. But that's what part of the trust money is used for, by the way, is mounting. Oh, well, that's good. That's good. But that was our Harper Lee update, but now we are diving into Ms. Lois Lowry? Yes, Lowry. Not Lois Lowry, as much as I would like to say that. No. It's definitely Lois Lowry. And yes, uh, she wrote the book, The Giver. Um, I was unaware that it is the first book in what is called The Quartet, a series of four books, as you would imagine. Ooh! That are all... uh, But The Giver was written in 1993, and that quartet spans to 2012. The final of the four books was written. So, okay, this book was published in 1993. Yes. So the most recent, the fourth book of Quartet was published in 2012? Yes. Wow, that is a long stretch. That's a long stretch, and also she is now... um, she was well into her 70s then by the time the last book pick came out because she is now about to turn 81. Girl, what's her birthday? Did she Ma- just come Ma- up? March 20th. March 20th. So, hey, in uh, just, well, that's a week from today. A week from today, which won't be a week from today when you actually listen to this, but next Wednesday. <laughs> next Wednesday is her birthday. Celebrate Lois Lowry. Raise a... Glass and There's a glass of nondescript drinking <laughs> and, and and have some cake if you can remember what cake is or what it tastes like. Uh, but the giver, yes, um, I tried to find evidence to the contrary and couldn't. And um, by my guess and from what I can find, this is the first dystopian novel for the YA set. Um, 
this is one of the first. Because I came at this from a very, I had never read this one before. We both talked about, we haven't read this one. And so my experience with novels like that is more of the Hunger Games genre. Mm -hmm. But really, this came first. So it's interesting to kind of go back and read this after already being acquainted with some later YA dystopian novel. Well, she she almost is like playing trope bingo right now. Like she just hits every single YA trope. And I think, or YA dystopian trope. Right. And I think that much like, you know, we were talking about S.E. Hinton, where you're like, well, this sounds like every other YA novel. But she, they did it first. Yeah. So really, it's more, it's my fault, really, for reading the other ones. <laughs> well, Hunger Games, Hunger Games is good. But I may, when you get into, like, Maze Runner and what else right. did I not like? Uh, oh, what was it? Divergent? Yep. Didn't love those. All of those. I didn't actually read those, but I had the, I saw the movies sometimes with the kids I was managing. I don't think they stuff. brought anything new to the table. I thought no. Hunger Games did it well. And I think The Giver, even though lack of combat or any sort of, really any violence at all, because it's such a utopian society, mm-hmm. I think The Giver sets up the way to set up that kind of reality. Yes. Yes. Um, so my tweet length summary is, uh, Utopia becomes a dystopia. Oh, Ooh. snap. <laughs> my uh, tweet, length summary, tweet length summary is, sameness does not mean greatness. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Oh, that could be. Me. Oh, um, real quick, in the um, inside cover, I bought my book at a used bookstore. Oh, I love that. Because I was like, whoa, it was three fifty. Excellent. But inscribed on the opening page is somebody else's length summary. So whoever owned Please this read book, that. Yeah. So whoever owned this book before me wrote on the front page, never let go of choice, never settle for the same, never let love go. I really enjoy that. And that's the only thing that was written in this book. Like she didn't, that the person didn't take, take any other Thank notes. Thank you person who read this book. Thank you person. For the summary. <laughs> Hashtag RR reviews. Um, I found, so the official summaries were all pretty straightforward. I found one that I really enjoyed off of schmoop.com. Ooh. Schmoop.com. Which yeah. adorable. Um, which is actually kind of hilarious because they just do kind of silly takes on describing books. But this one I enjoyed. So, meet Jonas, an 11-year-old boy who lives in a rigidly controlled society sometime in the future. In his community, there is no suffering, hunger, war, and, as you will soon see, no color, sex, music, or love. Everything is controlled by the elders. Individual identity has gone the way of cassette tapes, and everyone is essentially just like everyone else. To get released is a big deal. It only happens to sick infants or really old people or to people who break the rules. In short, this world is a terrible place to hang out. Nailed it, schmoop.com. So thank you, schmoop.com, for that astute summary. Well, and the book opens on Jonas being uh, anxious for his, the, his, the, the December ceremony. Yes, he's 11 years old, and so he is approaching the 12 mm-hmm. ceremony, which is the final ceremony and is a very big deal from what they, the impression they're giving you right off the bat is that it's very important. Yeah, and you are, you are an 11, you are a 12, you are, I called your age based on the year where you you were born. Nobody like gets, has their birthday, that's not recorded. It's like you don't turn 11 on September 22nd, boom, December, you do it with the rest of your annual crop of kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that crop of kids might actually be a pretty, or litter of kids, pretty accurate descriptor because there's only they they birth 50 kids a year right um they're usually 50 kids in every like 
age group. It's so rigidly controlled, controlled and crazy. Um, but so we open on Jonas being frightened is the word that they use. And then Lois Lowry goes into this really great opening sort of sequence about how is that the right word? And how finding the right word and speaking correctly is important. And I was like, it was uh, almost a wandery way to start. You didn't jump into action, but she no. set up the world so beautifully for what we're about to experience. And that is one, one thing they demonstrate immediately is how precise everybody speaks, even the children. It's so, it's, it's kind of off-putting, but it's interesting when you're first reading it, um, just seeing these little kids, I mean, his youngest sister even, um, just following their daily rules and how they conduct their day based on what is said when and who goes where at what time. and So the gist of the thing is that there is a community, and it's just called the community. community. Yep. And there are other communities that they go and visit sometimes, which have like some slightly different rules, but for the most part, everybody's contained. And every aspect of their life is regulated um, from... Who, what their name is when they're assigned a name, um, to what profession they get to, to ev- get to eventually, to who they eventually spouse with. Um, uh, they get up in the morning and they all have to, they have their telling of dreams from the night before. Um, they, or just like when they're all sitting around the dinner table at night, they uh, all have to tell their evening, it's the evening telling of feelings. Like everything has a very regimented, you can say this at this time and, that's about it. But but the I think the thing that's so strange is in the very beginning she lays she lays it so it doesn't f- necessarily feel like it's a bad thing. Right, it's safe. And yeah. Jonas is having a good time trying to find the right word. He's like frightened isn't right, that's too scared. Oh, I'm anxious. Right. So he's kind of pleasurably going through his vocabulary list in his head. And as the book goes along, it becomes more ominous and a little more, ugh. And that, I, I did appreciate that about this. And I don't want to spend this whole time comparing it to something like Hunger Games, but just for frame of reference. I feel like a lot of, like something like Hunger Games opens immediately with, you know, the world the world that they're in is in trouble, that mm-hmm. everything has, the, you, you get that sense of doom right from the start. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, where I felt like with The Giver, you feel in the beginning like it almost could go either way. Like, oh, maybe they've, maybe this works. Maybe this is actually a society that, even though it appears really rigid, it works for them this way. Mm-hmm. And I suppose, in a way, they have a false sense of security that it does work. Yeah. Well, and I, it does, doesn't it? It works. The society actually works. None of them are rebelling. Even everyone is fed. Everyone is sheltered. Everyone is content. If you're sick, there's medicine. The if, second you want it. Yeah. But, yeah, I think there lies with the choice, the, 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 the question of choice then, because yeah. that's eventually what Jonas struggles with, is is it better to be happy or, uh, or rather, rather, not happy, but content, content. and safe, but while kind of being neutered? Yes. And actually, let's talk about the word neutered real quick. Because something else in this society, so Jonas, uh, he lives in this nice, neat little nuclear family. Yes, and and all of the families 
you find out they can only have up to two children. You have to apply to get your children. Mm-hmm. So you are p- partnered. With, if you apply for a spouse yes. as an adult, they find a match for you. And you are not having your own children. Nope. You are not raising your own children. And women do not bear children. And men, I, I don't think, father children. Although my question is, where are the, fa- where are the fathers? Well, I don't know. I never really figured out in this book how the children were conceived mm-hmm. because it felt handmaid's taley where there's women who are giving birth like they talk about women being is it birth ex- mothers is that what they're called I, I think they were yeah i think it's called birth i think it was just birth mothers so and talking about how that's a you know it's a very noble selection and then you know but but it also seems like the birth mothers serve their time for a few years and then are released, which we find out later is not very good. Yeah, the birth mothers they can have three up. They have three births over yes. three years, and they're treated, they're pampered, and like really taken great. care of. And then they go into the labor. They become a laborer, and then they have to do hard labor. Oh, for that's the rest right. Of their life. It's labor, not release. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're labor into labor. And then when they get old, they can go to the house of the old. Um, but they never really explain how they become pregnant. No, I think that was I. Th- I think throughout the course of this book, that was my one. That was my one overall qualm with this book is I feel like there were some aspects of the world itself that she didn't fully flesh out. That I, that then I was questioning the, and it was bothering me because questions like that were then in the back of my mind mm-hmm. the whole time, and I couldn't fully give in to the idea because I was still caught up on like, well, but hey, wait, how do the, <laughs> right. How do the women become pregnant or, but wait, how do, you know, like, well, try this on for size because I'm just remembering. But maybe it's me think overthinking it too much. Well, they said something towards the end. Cause when I read birth mothers, I was like, Oh, who are, where's the male half of this coming from? And then they were going f- further towards the end. They were talking about, uh, the giver was saying how, you know, they eventually were genetically assimilating everyone. Mm-hmm. So scientists are at work. Geneticists are at work. So maybe it's an artificial maybe insemination? Maybe Probably. That would make the most sense. Yeah, my only Because butt. then they're controlling what those genetics are. Yeah. I'm going to give you a but, though. The but is um, the light eyes. Jonas has the light eyes. Rosemary has the light eyes. The giver does. That up-and-coming girl, Catherine or whatever her name yeah. is, the six. Gabriel. Gabriel has the light eyes. So part of me is like, is that is there then uh, uh, actual men participating in this? Well, and and or does the light eyes have to do it? Because that was a big question of mine too. Mm-hmm. Was how how are they choosing the new receiver? What quality is it about a person that? Has that makes all of the elders know who the next receiver is? Well, because I mean, they say they've been observing Jonas, like he's an right. upstanding young man, does all this good stuff, but that doesn't change the fact that in the whole community, the giver has, or yeah, the giver has light eyes. Rosemary, the former receiver, right? Because it seems like all of the receivers have that quality. So is that something in them? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it might be. And then, let's not let's not talk about the end yet. <laughs> We should get through the middle. Podcast over. Go to the end. I want to snap. Read the end yourselves. Okay, bye. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) We have no. So, anyways, so um, I think what you were going to get get at though was when we were because we were talking about having the children, uh, the stirrings, the stirrings, yeah, because neutering. Mm -hmm. Brought up. So our boy Jonas has a dirty dream. Yeah, he's eleven. He's eleven, and he's got a pretty friend named Fiona with red hair, but he doesn't know that yet. 
Because right. this world is black and white. Oh, by the way, by the way, spoiler alert, there's no colors. It's like they're dogs. Yes. Where does their light come from? Do they just have artificial light? Well, I don't know, because there's no sunshine. Because there's no sun. So then I was like, well, how do they get rid of the sun? Yeah, that's... Are they in a dome? Do they block it... Do like they, the Simpsons style? Can this be our Simpsons reference? It has to Did be, they get no Mr. Other Burns to block out the sun? Yes, they called up C. Montgomery Burns, <laughs> he blocked out the sun, then he became the giver, and it then just Then all the pigment went away across the land. Mm-hmm. Until they go to Oz and smash a witch, and then they get color. <laughs> the end. The Wait, end. what book is this? Oh, God. When I saw Wizard of Oz, that blew my mind, by the way. When it, they when went it to, switched? Mm-hmm. That was magical. My mom had to explain it. She's like, well... Back a long time ago, movies didn't have color. Say what? What? You're crazy. No, but so Jonas has what we can only assume was probably a wet dream. Yeah. They don't call it that. They don't call it that. Uh, And he tells his mother, because you have to tell everybody everything. Honesty is a policy here. A for real policy. When Jonas gets his assignment as the receiver of memories, and one of his rules is you may now lie, he's like, what? Say what? Because nobody lies. No, you can you can get released for lying. For lying, but then also he wonders: Do then other people have permission to lie too? When we'll get to that when we talk about Daddykins, because yeah. Papa mm. Jonas is <laughs> fucked up. Papa Joe. Papa Joe. Uh, which we're I, talking about we Jonas and his wet dream. That because spit back to the wet dream. Uh, so anyway. he's got a pretty friend named Fiona, <laughs> and he has a dream about her that leaves him with some funny feelings in his tummy. And it's his very first. His very first one ever, he tells his mom immediately, which is amazing, because what parent talks to their kids about their wet dreams? Exactly. And their answer is, oh, you're feeling the stirrings. Here, here's some pills. And also be late to school. She, like, <laughs> writes him a note. But then she immediately gets him a prescription for what I can just think is chemical castration. So the, Yes, so the second anybody in this community starts feeling any sort of sexual urges, it's pill time. Mm-hmm. And you are then taking those pills from the moment you felt your first stirring until... You're old and you're don't old have and it. Dead. So I can only assume none of these people have sex ever. No, I don't think any of them do. Except because maybe the mothers, right? They don't want to. And so you're matched with your spouse, like Jonas's mother. What, do you do? what does this community do all the time? That was my other big problem. They don't want to have sex. They don't enjoy f- food. They can't see colors. They don't have books. Recreation's like mandatory. Like, go recreate now. Yeah. They, they, really, I mean, they have their jobs, but when they're not at work... What are they doing? There was no enjoyment. Like, there's the one day when they have that holiday. Yes. And Jonas gets into the field with the kids playing war. Yeah. And then he realizes he knows what war is. I know what this game is now. But no, stop it. (laughs) Jonas has PTSD. So, in the book, I mean, we we mentioned Jonas was assigned his job as the receiver of memories in the big December ceremony. His job assignment Mm -hmm. is receiver of memories uh, because the people in this community don't have memories. So all of the negative shit from centuries go. Like, the giver says this goes back from centuries, or goes back centuries. Yes. So he's got memories of war and famine and danger and fear, but he's also got these warm family memories and snow and sunshine. Or colors. Yes, anything, all colors. And I thought that was was really interesting, too, was that um, they talk about that moment leading up to the ceremony before Jonas found what his assignment was. Mm -hmm. And he had had that moment where he took the apple and you find out when he speaks to the giver later the reason he took the apple was because 
he thought there was something funny about it. And it turns out he was seeing it turn red. And he just, Jonas himself at the time didn't realize what that meant or what that was, but he was seeing color. And the same with Fiona's hair. He could see the red in her hair. And like the flush of people's faces for a split second at the yeah. ceremony, he was able to see red and then eventually more. Uh, but so that's what's interesting to me about the receiver. Because this doesn't feel to me like a community where everybody has any sort of, for lack of a better word, powers. But the receiver, de- the receiver definitely does. Like... You have to have some sort of power to be able to to consume and embody and then transport memories like that. Because the, so how does that happen? The giver touches Jonas's back, right, and he's able to transfer a memory. And for me, it kind of almost felt a little bit like the pensieve from Harry Potter yes. when you pull the memory out and put it in there. Same. Um, how do they obtain that quality if their genetics have been so monitored and stripped down? I have no idea. That's been, that's a big question of mine. I think that we shouldn't check too hard on the science of this book. <laughs> Look, I'm not a scientist, but. And that's actually no hate on Lois Lowry, because that's one thing I love about writing fiction, especially uh, fantasy or sci-fi or any sort of non-realistic, is they can make shit up. So I'm trying too hard to find answers I to questions. I think you are. I think there are not really answers to questions. I am being a little too studious about this. You can probably <laughs> dig really deep, but I don't think you're going to find anything, because it's made But up. I want to know what genetic code produces the receiver. I'm sorry, Lauren. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, by the way, before we get to the ceremony of the Twelves, I just have to talk for a minute about, I love what some of the other ceremonies are. Like, <gasps> like when you're nine, you get your bike. I love this, the giant bike. Nine is the best ceremony. Nine's the best one. And ten, you get haircuts. No, you get shitty haircuts. <laughs> you do not get cute haircuts. No. You get like... <laughs> The entire time I'm reading this book, by the way, I'm like, so this is a cult. Mm. We're in a cult. Like, yes, we can can say future utopia. No, no, no. But it's a motherfucking cult. And it's just, and it's kind of also sort of a death cult, if you look at it. Oh, yeah. They're not not too far away from um, Nikes and drinking tang. (laughs) Nope. Um, Which, it almost surprised me in a way that they don't have some sort of god or leader or something that they look up to and speak about you would think Mm -hmm. that i don't know yeah well it seems very egalitarian like everybody kind of gets a say but in the same way nobody gets a say right and in some ways it's very forward thinking like the women have a lot of really high profile Mm jobs like his mother is a really high uppity up and like judge right the state department or something Mm -hmm. yeah and, he and just, his dad's a nurturer. And they so just straight up are, say in here that like mom's higher intelligence, mm-hmm. and but dad is more caring, and that's like we're, they're paired together for like the emotional intelligence and the it, uh, brain in, the brain intelligence. Damn brain smarts. Damn brain smarts. <laughs> but they match people like that. But then the the head elder is a woman, played in the movie by Meryl Streep. Yes, but she's a woman in this. Like they're very gender balanced. Yeah. So in some respects, you look at that and go, oh, all right. Right, right Equal on. opportunity. Mm-hmm. I'm into that. But then you realize that nobody has a choice about anything, and things get a little bit weird. And you also, I also kind of wonder why they even care so much about having a family unit if love is not a factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, even caring about, it doesn't seem like anybody really cares about each other more than anyone else, because once their parents have su- served their duty and raised the kids, the parents... 
go off and you end up, you don't even really see your parents when they're adults anymore. With the childless adults. Yeah. They're called the childless adults. Yeah. Yeah. And then they don't really pay attention to their parents once they're in the house of the old. So it's really kind of interesting to me that they even have these family units at all when... Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess it's to have adults supervising children. You know, this reminded me, like, more than anything, uh, is raising horses. Oh. Like, they're they're bred for things, and they're, if, like, the mother can't feed them, they're assigned to a brood mare, or, sorry, wet wet mare, is that what I'm looking for? But just this whole almost fostering of animals that separates parent and child and just goes, okay, you nourish them then. Okay, hey, you're a really athletic horse. You're going to be a show jumper. You're kind of a big bulky horse. You're going to be a cart horse. You've shown that you're fast. You're going to be a racehorse. I mean, I know they all break down into breeds, so that's not the best uh, metaphor ever. Interesting. But it's, it feels like the breeding and cultivation of livestock. They, like took, everything. they took their model after horses for this. Mm-hmm. They're like, hey, we want to create a new community. <laughs> Let's see what the stables do. And yet we have no animals now in our community. Which is nuts. No animals. None. Not fish. even birds. They have fish. Oh, There's they do. fish hatchery. Well, they must have livestock. Maybe, but we don't know. I think because the only food job that they de- that they delegate is working at the fish hatchery, um, and the fish hatchery kids all super excited about it. Um, but I don't know. Do they get to see the fish? Are they just weird genetically engineered slabs of like fish meat grown underwater? <laughs> that's so gross. But that's the only thing they talk about eating. I hear an apple and I hear fish. Mm-hmm. Have you heard anything else like cheese? I haven't heard dairy. No. I don't think I don't think they have a whole lot of animal protein. But, no, you're right because they talk about later. He talks about having some leftover. He has like potatoes and carrots yeah, and stuff. Root vegetables. So things that can be. But how can you? How could you grow crops? There's no sun. Yeah, but they're growing because they have climate control to control everything. Right. But where is the climate control? Like I am just baffled at some of the. I engine- need the science of this book. <laughs> I know, we're getting so hung up on the science, but there are some things that do not make sense. They don't have to explain it. They don't have to feed it to us, but just give us a clue. Lois. Dear Lois, Lois, for your birthday. I looked at your website, and I, I know that you said that you would love to invite every one of your readers over for tea. So can you please invite Jess and I over for tea so that we can talk about this? And can you make gluten-free scones? Please and thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Lois. Okay, we're not going to talk about the science anymore. All right, no more science. <laughs> anyway, so they have all the ceremonies. Um... And Jonas gets assigned his job. The receiver of the memories. Receiver of memories. And he freaks out because they skip him. So he uh, thinks he fucked oh, up. Oh, yeah. So first he gets skipped and he thinks that means he's getting banished or something. Um, but then he finds out a, a hush falls over the crowd. Hush. As everybody finds out because this is a very big deal. They haven't selected a receiver in... It's been 10 years, right? The last one that was selected, it didn't go go so well. (laughs) That's all they're saying. And he is to report to duty ASAP. But first he's given his list of rules. He's given a list of rules. And his list of rules are kind of frightening. Like everybody else gets this big pack of like instructions. And he gets eight rules. He's like, go immediately to work with the giver. Go immediately home after working with the giver. Uh, You are exempt from rules governing rudeness. Also, I love that they have rules governing rudeness. Uh, don't discuss your training. Don't tell your dreams to anybody. Which so, he was like, yes, I hate telling my dreams. Oh, dream town sucks. <laughs> uh, don't get any medication mm-hmm. unless He's you're like, injured. Buy stirring spills. Peace. Jonas is having wet dreams. 
Uh, you are not permitted to apply for release. And the eighth one is three words, you may lie. And that freaks him Love out. Love it. Love it. Because he's just like, oh, I'm allowed to lie now. I don't know how to do that. And then he starts asking the inevitable questions of, oh, did everyone suddenly get permission to lie when they're an adult? Have adults been lying to me for the last 12 years? Maybe that's a lie in of itself. Who even knows? not allowed to lie. We don't know now. Because we discover that his father is allowed to lie. Oh, yeah. And let's sort of set, head down that road. Um, well, we could talk, first we should talk a little bit about Gabriel, too, the little baby. And I think that's our first step down yeah. that tragedy. Or so, happy. So, so the father um, is a nurturer. That's his profession, which means he is in the nursery with the babies. Yeah. And um, he is talking about, in the beginning of the book, he's talking about how there's one little guy who they've named, whom they've named Gabriel, who, um, which is a little premature of them to name the baby because normally the babies are all named at their one. Well, they seven. name it because the dad takes a peek at the list. Oh. He knows he shouldn't, but he knows the baby's number 36. That's right, that's right. And he sees and he thinks, okay, well, maybe if I give it a name, it's going to survive. So he ends up bringing the baby in with them for a little while. Which, it's not sleeping well. Right. It's not sleeping well. And, they, and he knows they're not supposed to get attached to Gabriel because they aren't going to be able to keep him. He's they only have their family. two children, mm-hmm. so he's going to get reassigned. And uh, so this baby is with them. The baby really enjoys being around Jonas. Mm-hmm. He sleeps easily when he's in Jonas's room. Yeah. Baby loves Jonas. Baby loves Jonas. Uh, and so, so there's that. The family gets very attached. Of course. As much as they get attached to anything because everyone's a little emotionally stunted. Which, uh, do they take pills for that too? You, I would think they have to. I feel like all of these people have got to be on some sort of regiment of magic, regimen of medication because... And you get glimpses of it throughout the book. I just think it's impossible for you to squash that part of human nature. I think feelings and emotions and questioning are all things that are just inherent in human beings. Yeah, I mean, really, they're squashing down every sort of human instinct and making everybody just sort of these pleasant little zombies wandering around doing whatever they're told to do. Right. But they're told to do it by other pleasant zombies. Right. Like, nobody's mad with power in this book. Mm -hmm. It's just everybody wants to stick to the status quo. And we don't really we don't really know how they all came to this place. We don't really know why, what happened. We mm-hmm. don't know how they split off, who formed this community, how long this community's even been in existence. But whatever they're doing, they're all sticking to it. And they've all they're all in agreement. Yeah, the main thing they fight for is for no fighting. That everything should yeah. be peaceful. <laughs> um, exactly. So uh, speaking of dad being a liar, so dad so, yeah. is a nurturer. And um, he, when they first take Gabriel home, he's like, well, if, you know, he doesn't get well enough, we'll release him. And through the book, we see the release, they mentioned children are released. Twins, identical twins, the smaller of the two are released. The elderly, after a big party and, like, going away ceremony, are released. Um, rule breakers, and we later see Rosemary, ugh, get oh. released. Uh, and no one, no one in the community knows that means dead. No. So Jonas is like, well, the, this he, further in towards the end, he's with the giver, and they've got a great relationship going on. And Jonas is like, well, my dad released that twin today. I, what is what is release? Have you thought about it? And the giver's like, yeah, I thought about it. Let's watch this video. And the giver has such high status that he's like, boop, boop, boop show me the video of the twin, and they send it to him. Because <laughs> yeah. everything's monitored. Everything's has a speaker attached. But the giver, or well, 
receiver, now the giver, is allowed to have access to whatever they want. Yeah. He, he has so much status and bears so much pain. Um, so he pulls up the video and Jonas sees, Dad, Papa Joe, had told Jonas that, you know, he's just going to pick the smaller twin and get them all dry and clean and make him comfy and then bye-bye. And uh, Jonas is like, somebody's going to come pick him up? And Dad's like, yeah, somebody from another community is going to come pick him up. Jonas is watching the video, and somebody from another community does not come to pick that kid up. They give the baby a lethal injection in its skull, and the baby dies. And Jonas and is like... And the dad does all of this. Dad does all of solo. it. Knowingly. They don't pull the memories from his head of doing it. He's not drugged into doing it. He knows what he's doing. And he... He omits that part. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say, I didn't kill the baby. But he says, I make him comfy and then bye-bye. Well, I guess then he does lie when he says the community thing. So dad gets to lie. Yeah. And they just say he's released. And, and to a lot of them, they um, or Jonas will say, oh, well, maybe he's just going elsewhere. There's this elsewhere. With a capital E. Elsewhere with a capital E, which is just sort of this undefined... And it turns out that was that's kind of a way that they can justify saying what being released is. Because you think, oh, they're going to go elsewhere. That's fine. They're going to go to another. Well, because none of these people know what dead means. No. Only Jonas, because he has the memories of war and death and suffering. So, yeah, if you didn't know what death meant, how would you understand that? Like the idea of release. Oh, they go somewhere else. And I have to say, it's really morbid. But I guess there is a little part... Of me that goes, okay. Like you can see for for like the end of life, for the elderly, for everybody who lives in the house of the old. Mm-hmm. That could be a, a maybe that's a blessing. That's a pleasant thing of it's the end of life. It's time. All right. I'm ready to be released. You get a nice injection. You're done. It's over. But for little babies... It's so sad. And it's just that thought of we are deciding who is worthy of being alive when they're not even, when they're just little tiny babies. Well, I don't want to go back to like animal husbandry or whatever, but runts of the litter Mm -hmm. would get drowned because something is small. You drown him. Charlotte's Web. Wilbur was the tiny pig. Oh, what are we going to do Charlotte's Web? (gasps) Spring break. Spring break. (laughs) Anyway, but in the same way that... Really, yeah, probably that baby's the less fit for living or survival of the fittest or whatever, but who gets to make that choice? Or even with Gabriel. What, Gabriel's problem is that he won't sleep at night? He's a baby. Yeah. Oh, everyone was very (laughs) frazzled when I arrived is what Dad said. Everyone was very frazzled. And you're like, oh, I'm sorry he frazzled some fucking nighttime caregivers. Maybe don't kill a baby. How do they get all the other babies to sleep so peacefully is my question. Probably drugs Probably that drugs. early too. Right? Or I wonder if the other babies are chill, but Gabriel's not because he has those blue eyes and is special. Oh, Gabriel. Poor Gabriel. Yeah. Um, but anyways, that's pretty messed up. That pretty much changed my opinion of, of the dad. Because the dad was so nice and so patient. Because... I honestly, I mean, and you probably felt the same way. As soon as I read released, I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be how they die. They did. But I was expecting the father to either either be drugged into it or, like, he's has some sort of 
where he doesn't realize what he's doing or maybe he's a part of it, but he doesn't realize that the baby, like I did not expect him to be the one who was actually administering the injections. Yeah, I saw, uh, so I hadn't read this before and I didn't see the Jeff no. Daniels movie. Oh, oh. oh, we'll get to that. But I did see the stage version of it right. years ago when the Denver Center did it. Mm-hmm. And a very dear friend of ours named Timothy McCracken, who you guys is the nicest so man kind. ever. Like, just the nicest man ever. Google nicest man ever and you'll see and a picture. a picture of his face. Of Tim McCracken. <laughs> but he, he played dad and he just would be like, well, I'm just going to make the little guy comfy and then bye-bye. And so in my brain, as I'm reading this again, <sighs> I have this horrifying image of my good friend murdering a baby on stage, which is with the sweetest, kindest grin. But I had forgotten, it's been so long since I'd seen that play version, that dad knew what he was doing. In mm-hmm. my brain... In my in my brain, I decided that Jonas that they had siphoned that memory off Dad, and like Jonas had somehow gotten it. Yeah, and I was like, oh no, it's security feed. But Dad knew what he was doing, and that makes it worse. Exactly, that's how I felt too. That made me pretty upset with Dad. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty messed up. But then you know nobody asks about it because there's rules in this community about asking direct questions, right. which kind of I like. Because, God, I hate when people fucking just make unwanted observations or yeah, ask you dipshitty questions. Right. I'm okay with that. I'm, I would be okay with getting rid of that there's also aspect a, of society. There's a rule against bragging, which I think is baller. <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to call there a no bragging rule in this, this house. Great. I also do see why it's so few and far between that they choose new receivers of memory because I feel like it's got to be impossible for, like... I can't believe that Jonas was able to go a whole year without telling every single person around him what he was doing and what, I mean, how do you not talk about it? Yeah, you're, suddenly your eyes are opening and you're experiencing color, you're experiencing weather phenomenon, you're, you, the world is opening up before you, Yeah. and his friends are just like, whatever, obey the rules. Yeah. Because that's the actual, so the giver himself, we haven't really talked no. a whole lot about him, um, who was the receiver and then... Called me the giver. Um, he, he's an old man it's, who's not as old as he looks. Right, because the you are literally carrying the weight of the world. I mean, he actually is, if you think of it. Yeah, I mean, every Every memory, single memory. That, that war that Jonas experienced with the dying blonde soldier mm. and the horses and how he saw the red blood... I mean, I'm, of course, like, world, is that World War One? What are we looking at? Like, which war is it? And I'm trying to get literal like we've been doing this whole time. But We don't do that at all. Fuck, man. I mean, war is hell. And or even you, civil war. Yeah. That could have been the civil war. And if you had to absorb the pain of every single soldier. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, so the new process is, <laughs> Jonas's training, as it were, is for him to take all of those memories from the giver. So every single memory has to be... Um, installed in Jonas by the giver laying his hands upon Jonas and Jonas receiving the memory. Jonas is like laying out on this like bed and the giver's like putting his hands on his shoulders and I'm just keep at this image of like this extremely invasive back rub. Right. It feels good on your muscles but then you're getting memories of like war and famine and that sucks. (laughs) Like dude a little less I'm tight back there, but not that tight. An elbow in my trap and not (laughs) tell me about the horse death. Great. (laughs) But then he can also do wonderful things. Christmas. Like, yeah, give him Christmas or a birthday party or... Love. Sledding. Sledding. Love. Love. Yeah. 
I like that you're like sledding uh, and I'm like, love. <laughs> it's hard to think of what that burden would be like to install on one person. And the, the, uh, the funniest thing, and the giver says it a couple of times of like, they, uh, the elders all want him to keep all of these memories so that if they need advice or if they need counsel or whatever, they can go to him, but they don't ever take his advice. Yeah, they, it sounds, very, very rarely do they take his advice, mm-hmm. and it seems like they don't, they took his, his advice about raising the level of, uh, the, the number of children, because they were thinking about adding a third child to families, but he was like, remember, oh. he remembered famine, and was like, no, don't overpopulate. Yeah. And they were like, okay, sounds good. Yeah. But then there are other things that they did not take his advice on. But it seems like they ask a whole lot of him for what they get out of it. If that makes sense. I feel like the elders expect him to hold on to so much and very rarely actually use that mm-hmm. to their advantage. It just seems like a very, it's a very selfish thing. It's very selfish to put on one person. It's extremely selfish. <laughs> but then that same way, once his eyes are open and he has access to all of those, wouldn't it be impossible to go back? Oh, of course. I mean, like, because Jonas snaps. Jonas goes. Mm-hmm. And my, uh, what's your butt? What's oh, your butt? Rosemary. Poor Rosemary. Sorry I called you what's your butt. But my Watcher Butt was about you being played by Taylor Swift in the film. So um, that's the Watcher Butt. Yeah, I stopped reading my ebook when it got to an interview with Taylor Swift, to which I said, no, thank you. No, thank you. Uh, well, and that is, that is um, what you find out is uh, that the pre- what happened to the previous receiver that they selected. And she did not. She couldn't handle she it. She couldn't hack it. The pain was too much. What was interesting was it was the pain of, like, loneliness. Yeah. And solitude. Like, the, the, when he started giving her negative memories, they weren't even... It wasn't pain. It wasn't even the war and the pain that got to her. It was the feeling of absolute... Desolation and heartbreak. Yeah. Ugh. How awful. It was so sad. So, she, yeah. so she was like, nope, I'm done. Yeah, so she left their session and then went and applied... Uh, immediately. A, a, immediately requested release. And the giver, because he has access to all of the footage, saw her take her own death, take her own life. Like she gave herself the injection because yeah, she couldn't she deal with it. Yeah, she said she wanted to be the one to give herself Good the God. injection. And so then they added a rule. One of Jonas. That's why one of uh, the new rule seven rules. Rule seven. To quote an earlier favorite line. <laughs> rule was seven. No, re- no request. Sim. Was no requesting release. You can't request release. So you're stuck. So you're the receiver. But guess what? You're stuck there. Yay. Uh, and then the giver, of, uh, towards the end of the book, lets us know that after he's released all his memories, he wants to just see his daughter again. Or think of his daughter. And then Jonas is like, you had a daughter? And then none of us were surprised, but he was like, yes, her name was Rosemary. Dun, dun, dun. <gasps> but then my question is, she his literal daughter? Like, was the, was the giver permitted to have a biological child? Or did he just... Did he, was he assigned her as a child, he and his spouse? Or did he just think of her as a daughter because of their relationship as giver and receiver of memories? I was leaning towards that he came to think of her as his daughter just because he even says that he came to love Jonas mm-hmm. in that way. Um, because I don't see how they would have let him have a biological child. I don't either, except he's the giver and I, or the receiver of memories. <laughs> Receiver's like, listen, look, I gotta deal with I all gotta, this shit, <laughs> so I gotta get a lot of banging happening. All the ladies in town. He's like, oh, I've got all these terrible memories, but I am the only male in the community who can have sex. I don't know what to do. 
<laughs> I'm very torn. He should have led with that for Jonas. He's like, hey, the job sucks, but there is one awesome amenity. <laughs> Throw all those pills in the trash, friend. <laughs> Welcome to Fuck City. <laughs> Welcome to Fuck Community. <laughs> Population receivers. <laughs> this job does come with some perks. My dick. <laughs> Oh, damn. <laughs> Whoa, I'm sorry. Months Whoa, kids. wow. Wow. Hey, hey, Lauren. Whoa. Oh, see what happens to her at a decent hour? <laughs> Lauren loses her goddamn mind. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be in bed in about 30 minutes. Oh. Well, anyway. Hey, <laughs> characters. We talked about Jonas. We talked about Creepo Dad. The, the thing giver. is, we've talked about almost all of the characters. Right? There's... I love the names that are assigned. So you don't get to pick your own name. You don't get to name your kid. No. And it seems like if, uh, like, if there's certain names that get released when the, per- like, Rosemary. Rosemary's like, got, like, Voldemort status. Yeah, like, that name is not used anymore. Mm-mm. But when the Caleb kid drowned in the creek. Right. They didn't use Caleb for a really, really long time, but then they mm-hmm. ended up using it again. Yeah, for the replacement child. Oh, for the replacement child for the family that they then named Caleb again. And they have this weird, like... Caleb, Caleb, chanting out. And yeah. then when they gave the new baby four years later, like, Caleb, 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 <gasps> Caleb. You're like, why are you shouting? Like, you all are in so much denial. Anyway. Yeah, it's not the same baby. It's like when your kid has a fucking hamster and it dies, and then you go to the store <laughs> and you're like, can you match this hamster? Right. My parents did that. Oh, did they? I'm pretty sure they did. Ugh. I have vague memories of dead rodents. Jessica's parents, if you could please write to <laughs> I know. Hariki recast at Gmail. Oh, well, they listen to this, so I'm going to get a talking to next uh-oh. time. Uh-oh. No, oh, but- oh, indeed. Just uh-oh, indeed, that my parents <laughs> listen to this. <laughs> I tell you, my dad's like, listening to your podcast. Do you want me to buy you a course on how to podcast? <laughs> oh, yes, please. Yeah, thanks, Dad. We do actually want that. Um, I would be into that. Lauren will come with me. I can bring or a friend. Or could you get the great courses to sponsor us? And then we would get the courses and we would get some money uh, for said podcast. I just feel like it's a no-fail plan. <laughs> Their phone's going to ring in any second. Three, two, no phone. Um, <laughs> but I like when Jonas is going about the names. Like, he's talking about yeah. names. Like, Gabriel's a great name. Gabriel's adorable. But then there's another kid named Bruno. And, like, <laughs> and Jonas goes, that's not a very good name. No. Um, oh. His little sister's Lily. Good name. Good name. This reminds me of, like, Cabbage Patch Kids in the 80s, when, like, somebody would buy you a Cabbage yes. Patch Kid, but you didn't get to name it because it had a fucking... Oh, it has bur- a certificate. What was yours named? Um, I had three Cabbage Patch Go. Kids. Go. Natalie, Fiona, and Tina. Ooh. Uh, my, my first one was Rainy Nicole. You had... Its name was Rainy? Its name was Rainy, and she was this cute little red-headed thing. My grandma went ham at Christmas time. Like, she waited in lines, and my mom's friend was a manager at Sears. This was, like, the year Cabbage Patch blew up. So, like, my grandma threw some fucking elbows to get me those, and me and my cousins those Cabbage Patches. My grandma ended up getting one. My very first one was Natalie. My grandma ended up getting one that looked like Natalie and got a little, got two beds, and so that when I came over and spent the night, I had a cabbage patch bed for Natalie. Are you kidding me? Your grandma gets awards. Yeah, she got the little, today would have, would have been her birthday, so it's a nice little grandma story. Today would have been your grandma's birthday? Yeah. Happy birthday, um, Grandma. Happy Ball- birthday, Wait, not Ballman. No, uh, Mayo. My mom's mom. Happy birthday, Grandma Mayo. No, but she had two, uh, yeah, she had two cabbage patch beds at her house, one for her 
Pops and one for mine. God, that's cute. <laughs> this totally feels like that. Like, you don't get to name your toy. No. We had baby. we had more liberty with our Cabbage Patch kids than this community has with their children. So, they've all got names. Some good, some bad. But uh, I don't... I, I think we hit all the major... Oh, his friend Asher. I love Asher. I dig Asher very much. Asher's such a derp. Asher... Asher. Wait, or who was the nine-year-old that they were really worried about him getting his bike because he was so destructive around oh, the neighborhood? Like Fritz or Felix He had a goofy name, and I didn't write it down. tripping on stuff. I love that kid, and they were all like, uh-oh, this uh, is the year so-and-so gets his bike. Ugh. Watch, watch out, neighborhood. Lock your doors. Because this kid can't handle life. <laughs> now he gets a bike. We should have released him. Oh. <laughs> That but, would be kind of great, actually. If someone just pisses you off enough times, you're like, um, I applied for your release. I applied for your release. <laughs> I like that. Could that, you apply for other people's release? No. Mm-mm. What is the thing a mom was joking about in the book? Like, when a kid was pissing her off, she was like, I'm gonna... It wasn't I'm gonna release you. No. It wasn't like I'm gonna resign you. It was something that was so mean, but so funny. Oh, crap. No, I... Uh, nah, I'll flip through my notes. But so there's Asher, who's fucking hilarious and always says the wrong word. And that whole like smack snack thing was <laughs> adorbs. Oh, uh, Asher, you goof. He just kept getting himself beaten in kindergarten because A, they have corporal punishment for kindergartners. And uh, B, he just couldn't get his N's and his M's. So every time he asked for a snack, they whacked him on his tiny hand. And then the fucking head elder is like, and then Asher just was quiet for a couple months. I because he, he eventually learned the difference between snack and smack. So we just smacked him enough times. You're like, oh. don't beat the children. <laughs> Jesus. You terrible, terrible people. And they beat the old people too. I know. They, that was worse. I do not like that. No, that, that's what, that, she does that in this book where it isn't really overtly vile. There's not a whole ton of violence in this book but there are little details like that that she'll just slip in that i'll that i would read and kind of go Ooh, that makes me uncomfortable it's just cruel there's moments of cruelty yeah i don't like that Mm -mm. yeah i really like the way she built her world i thought she was sly about it just slipping things in same way we were talking about lottery where they set up that sort of fucked up town I have a feeling Lottery Town and this town aren't too far away from each other. No, I feel like this town is one box away <laughs> from having Seriously. a fucking lottery. Um, oh, and the whole House of the Old situation. And then his friend Fiona, who, because when you're eight, you start volunteering, which America could use some of that, am I right? Uh-huh. Um, Mandatory volunteer hours. And Fiona's been volunteering at the House of the Old, but then she gets a sign there as well. So it was fascinating. She, I just felt like she was a very... You didn't really learn a whole lot about her, but I felt like she was such a sweet, serious girl. <laughs> right. And then by the end of the book, we figure out she's already been learning how to uh, give lethal injections yeah. to senior citizens. I'm like, oh. Oh, fuck. Fiona, no wonder you're so hard at the age of 12. God. <laughs> well, she's got her whole thing where it's like, you know, she's in the house of the old washing that old man, and then Jonas goes to help, and he ends up sponge bathing like an old woman, Larissa. Yeah. And... I love what he, jo, or kind of from Jonas's point of view, we see that you aren't allowed to see any, look at somebody else's nakedness, unless they're a child or, or old. Or old. And like, if you see somebody naked at gym class or whatever, you have to apologize. I don't even know why they need that rule if they're all taking their no stirrings pills. Right? Maybe like, why is nudity something shameful if none of them 
are feeling any sexual urges. I wonder if it's about the differences. Because, like, here they're, you know, you get punished if you point out somebody's difference. Like, oh, so maybe it's if they see yeah. that why is your stomach? boys and girls are different. Yeah, why do you have a this? Why do you have a that? Like, yeah. I don't know. It's funny, they, they're so, so tightly controlled, and yet they force honesty. Like, how right. are you feeling? You must, you must phrase your feelings correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it feels like fucking like group therapy, where it's like, how are you Constantly. feeling today? It's just 24-7 group therapy. There's only us. <laughs> I just had this visual of Mark We're all going to a meeting. Mark. Mark. I'm Mark. <laughs> I'm Jonas. <laughs> oh. oh, shit. Oh, no. Oh, so I don't know if I could even have a, fa- a favorite character. It's hard. Because everybody's so neutered. It's, it's like Jonas and the Giver are your only options. Yeah. And I did love the Giver very much. I really felt for him. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you really, like it said, that weight of the world. You, you feel that coming through his character. I have to say, when... <laughs> He talked about the movie. So there was a movie made of this in 2014, and Jeff Bridges played the giver. And I told Jess all I could think of once I heard that was like, what if it was just him playing the giver as the dude from Big Lebowski? I think that's a valid choice. Like, this lack of memories cannot stand, man. (laughs) I just see him with like this bathrobe. Yeah. Like, hey, Jonas. Severed toe. He's holding a a white Russian. (laughs) Oh man, that would be sweet. Uh, I I did, I, and I know it was a baby, but I really loved something about Gabriel. I like that his little voice. He was just like he could only say his name, and he would say "gay, gay, gay, gay." And I liked that um, that he was already clearly becoming a receiver as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jonas is using that towards the end when he steals the baby. Go Jonas. Go Jonas, steal that um, baby. And he he could give him calming memories to soothe them and he mm-hmm. could get I, I thought that was really interesting and like there may be and maybe there is in the quartet I don't know if these characters come back maybe that's something that comes back in some of the next books is maybe him as a older child or because something. the ending of this book is really ambiguous yes very you know Jonas has been on the run with the baby mm-hmm. he's been dodging planes and patrols riding at night because he and the giver decide they construct a plan together that they're going to get the memories back to the people but Jonas has to go. So they're thinking, again, I don't understand the science of it. Same. Like, shouldn't he have to die to be able right. to release those memories? Not Ugh. just get away far away in proximity? I know. But they seem to decide that if Jonas gets far enough away in proximity, he, uh, the memories will go back to the people and the giver will help teach the people how to deal with the memories. Yeah. So that's the plan. But then dad's like, oh, we're going to kill the baby now. Or the Gabriel. He's going to be released in the mornings and have a great last night with Gabriel. And they're all like, wait, what? 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 Everyone. <laughs> and everybody in the family is super chill. But Jonas is like, no. <laughs> uh, so, so cut to Jonas running. pedaling away furiously on his father's bike that he stole. Mm-hmm. On Which his go dad's Jonas. cult bike. And then so he runs and runs and runs and runs and runs. And they start getting hungry. And it starts getting colder and hillier. And his ankle gets like broken or sprained and he's in a lot of pain and he and the baby are hungry and then at the end if you haven't read the giver stop listening now go skip Uh, because at the end I feel like he might have frozen to death he sees like all of these warm memories and he's holding on to Gabriel well and he's having that same memory that was the first memory that the giver gave of the sled yeah he slide 
he reaches. Well, he's not having it as a memory. He's actually ex- yeah. he's experiencing or it, is he having or his is memory. he not? So yeah, he marches up to the top of this hill holding the baby, and then he slides down on the sled, and like warm images sort of wrap around him. And it's either he miraculously found a place where people are celebrating Christmas and left him a sled at the top of the hill, <laughs> or Jonas and the baby are dead. Right. Or other. Which also leads me to think, are some of these memories, not really memories, but premonitions? Shut up. Are they the future? What? Because there's certain things that happen like that, or even when shows Jonas something about Rosemary first. I'm messing it all up in my head. But then you later find out that that was after... It's like he shows them to him in a different order where I sometimes think, is this really a memory well, or is it something Because he future? shows him nice sled, nice sled ride, mm-hmm. and then he lets him have a sled ride again where he can control the sled, right? And then he shows him the sled ride where his leg gets broken. Right. And that's the first time Jonas experiences pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the, I agree with you about the ending. I felt like it was pretty ambiguous. So I guess we'll know if we picked up the next book in the trilogy, or the quadrilogy. And I did not. The quartet. The quartet. And I did not pick those up, so I don't know... Um, what the plot of those are, or if it's the same characters. We could Google it, but it's more fun to just The speculate. second book in the series is called Gathering Blue, and it came out in 2000. She took, oh, I guess seven years is a decent time to write a book. And then there's The Messenger. Mm-hmm. Oh! The Messenger tells of the fate of Jonas and Gabe. Is it one page long and it says they died? Um, it doesn't say. Wikipedia is not telling me. God damn it, no spoilers from Wikipedia. Fine. And son, the final book follows Claire, the birth mother of Gabriel from <gasps> The Giver, and her journey to locate her son. Okay. Oh, that's so nice. So they are alive. Cool. Okay. Or does she just locate his tiny corpse? Aww. I'm sorry, I'm in a really weird mood today. <laughs> Everyone's dead. Everyone's dead, and the book is over. Um, they're all dead. Hey, I have this question. Question. They're all I'm, released. I just Jess. Say, not dead. Everyone's released. released, and the book is out. Hey, do you think Weezer wrote their song "My Name Is Jonas" about this kid? Absolutely. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's right about that time. They were. My big. name is Jonas. I got your memories. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of singing this podcast. I force pop music upon Jessica if it kills me. I'm so bad at it. Okay, I have a question for you. Yes, ma'am. I, by the way, I just want to point out, like a minute ago, I said I have a disquestion. A disquestion. A disquestion. A dis- which is not a discussion question. We're but merging dystopia and question now. Disquestion. Um, What's disquestion? Disque- our, our discussion question, our disquestion, is um, what rule in there sounded like a pretty good idea and what would drive you batshit crazy? The constant telling would drive me batshit crazy. Like, the dream, I mean, all of it. Like, the telling, it just, I, 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 no, I don't need to tell everybody every single thing that I felt all day long. Yeah. And I don't need to hear what everybody else felt all day long. I don't care enough. I don't care. So that would make me absolutely nuts. Do you think they do that just to monitor the feelings? To make sure nobody's, like, angry? Yes. I'm sure it's because they don't need feelings out of place. Mm-mm. Um... For a rule that I would agree with or that I would like. I mean, I would like if I got to the part where they said it was okay to lie. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I mean, there is something to be said about the order and the equality of the community. I appreciate some of that. That's not a rule specifically. I do appreciate 
that the genders are equal. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like this is the true definition of feminism, where men and women are equal. Right. I they don't necessarily know that I like the way they got there, mm-hmm. but I appreciate that. How about you? Uh, I, I couldn't deal with the rule about using the right word all the time, because I just tend towards fucking hyperbole. So where Jonas got in trouble for saying starving when he met hungry, I was like, I could not right. do that. Or fucking. We wouldn't be able to say fucking At ever. All. We didn't know what it was. No. Mm-mm. There'd be so many things we wouldn't even we'd have be, words for. We'd be in trouble. We'd be in a lot of trouble. This podcast would be so boring. So beige. <laughs> uh, but I think, I'm sorry, but I like the rule, the rule against rudeness of pointing out differences. Because that drives me so fucking crazy when somebody points out something that I know. That is a good one. like, you have a hole in your shirt. I know I have a fucking hole in my shirt. Great. What benefit does it have that you pointed it out? Good for you for telling me. Thank you. Get for the hell out of here. Fuck off. If, I wish you could have seen that because Jess just did double bird guns. I did do double deuce dance. <laughs> no, that's a good one. I agree mm-hmm. with that. So if you were to begin... Is this my disc question? Yes. <laughs> this, is your disc, this is your disc question. Yes. If you were to begin transmitting memories, what would be your go-to as your favorite memory? Like, I would give you, like, I would give Jonas if I were the yeah, or, receiver? Or, yes, and to give them something to experience that they've never experienced before that is something that's a favorite thing. Don't judge me. We might have the same one. We don't have the same one. <laughs> oh, good. I was going to say I would, I would let Jonas watch Ramin Karamlu play Jean Valjean <laughs> in his Rob. No, that's Jonas not Jonas is like, where the hell am I? Why am I? Why are they singing? Why is no one talking? What is this? Is this old-fashioned torture from memories? <laughs> why are you giving me another bad memory? God damn it. We already no. did. No. Oh, that's so uh, sweet. No. Or I would have, or I would give him a memory of my dog. Like when dogs lick your face. Oh, the best. Mm-hmm. Or maybe... I would give Jonas uh, the memory of... Um, Turning the corner into Diagon Alley <laughs> for the memory. first time. Did you cry when you did that? Almost. <laughs> and and they he could he would just also be holding like a butter beer in one hand and an ice cream cone in the other hand, and just standing there from Florian Fortescue's ice cream parlor. Yes, yes, that one or or something with an animal probably. Mm-hmm. Because that was so sad to me to think of at that moment when he learned, like, and then I learned the bond between humans and animals, and that moment made me go, oh, they don't even have animals in their lives. No pets. Oh, God. And, like, the elephant murder, you're just like, wow. Uh, Those are the memories I would, or my other one was, I would let him experience reading Prisoner of Azkaban for the first time. Oh, yeah. Reading. 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 Um, Or just, um... I feel like something with with uh, smell, like like that sense of when you walk into like an old library, mm-hmm. that kind of uh, yeah. But like if I had I just to want old library smell, oh, it's a good smell. <laughs> but if I had to like not share it with Jonas, if it was like my yeah, own I memory, mean, that's true. I yeah. got some I got some good ones that I think yeah. I don't know that I'd share with Jonas. They're not for a twelve year old's eyes. Twelve year old boy doesn't know doesn't need to know what it was like on my wedding. <laughs> He would not have had a good time. No. Um, there or, were goats. There were goats. Uh, right, exactly. But, yeah, we talked, so we talked about uh, the movie. We talked about the play. Uh, yeah, that was done here in Denver in 2012. 
yeah, with I your friend Tim McCracken. Well, I also saw Philip Pleasance and Billy McBride was in it as well. It was a really great cast. And, so, it, and it's funny, I lived here during that time and that one it. didn't register with me for some reason. I don't know why I didn't see it. Jeff that. didn't see it either and it was cool. Like they yeah. had, everything was in black and white and then somehow with the magic of theater, like the bookshelf That's came to cool. color. Their tech is amazing. That's really neat. Because um, I could see that being like some major technical challenges of this play. Yeah. Couldn't find very many... Like I said, Sally, there were no Simpsons references to this one. There aren't a whole lot of just pop culture references to this, which surprises me. You'd think the giver himself would be a character that people would maybe mm-hmm. reference, but he doesn't really, they don't really pop up. No, I wonder if since this was written in 93, if it just hit like the cultural zeitgeist a little later so that, you know, the writers who were writing for The Simpsons, like when we were watching it on first run, all those Harvard nerds or whatever. Uh, <laughs> nerds. Nerds. They were ahead of us. So like To Kill a Mockingbird was in their frame of reference. Outsiders, all that stuff. Or really any pop culture. But then 93, it just hasn't had time to sink in. Mm-hmm. Like maybe when the kids who read that in their lives, because it missed us. Like maybe when they start really generating more, it'll come up more. But I don't know. Yeah. And I do think it's cool. This is something we didn't do on purpose. But I have noticed that with the exception of... Um, Billy Shakes for R&J, all of our books have been by female authors. Well, if you look back at the secret writing of Queen Elizabeth, you might deduce that she actually was Shakespeare. <laughs> Joke's on you, Shakespeare. Yes, okay. But, but, and Lois Lowry's pretty interesting, too, because she's, she wrote over 30 children's books. She's written... She's won awards. She, she has. She's been... I think she deserves the Hans Christian Andersen Award already. She's been nominated three times and was a finalist twice. She's never gotten it? No. And that's the highest recognition you can get for children's books, and I think she's owed one at this point. We're rude. But she did, wear the, she did win, the, like you said, the Newbery Medal. No. And she won that for two different books. I like her. I think yeah. she's pretty neat. So I think it's pretty kick-ass that we've been, without even trying, unintentionally promoting female authors. So, hey. But, uh... But we're not doing that next episode. That's true. That's true. That ends now. That's true. It's going to be all men all the time. Now we've, <laughs> we've stopped taking our stirrings pills, and it's going to be full testosterone from here on out. Exactly. Sorry. Lauren and I had our first dirty dream, and now we are puberty <laughs> and are broing out. Get ready for uh, next week's episode about Playboy magazine. <laughs> that is not true at all. No, we're, uh, next book is The Great Gatsby. The Great Gatsby. Jess has never read it. Can you believe that? And along with this, we're going to get another movie starring Leonardo, Di- Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> That's really how we're choosing books, So this we? is all, yeah. Has Simpsons Leo? references or Leo. Has Leo been in it? Great. <laughs> uh, so we're reading The Great Gatsby. And Please get on board with that. Uh, you can tweet your twitter size reviews at us at hashtag rrgatsby, hashtag rrreviews. Or if you have thoughts uh, if you have thoughts about it or a story that you want to record a voice memo that's under 60 seconds. We have a limit of 60 seconds for any voice memos. 60 seconds, please. Um, or, oh God, please, 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 somebody have a book report. If you ever find one of your oh old book gosh. reports, we would love to see it and have permission to read your most uh, intricate critical thinking thoughts about oh, yeah. Great Gatsby. But you can email us at requiredreadcast at gmail.com. We've experienced some technical difficulties taking voice memos over Facebook Messenger, so sadly we are not going to be able to do that anymore. Yeah, we used to be like, hey, totally do that, and then uh, people and we did, like, and we're like, oh, wait, this doesn't work. I don't know how to do download this. <laughs> Sorry, Sean. Sorry, Sean Marie. Well, that's it. I guess, uh, I guess stay good, or stay gold, community. Uh, stay gold, eights. <laughs> stay gold, sevens. <laughs>
Stay gold, baby Gabe. Stay gold, elderly. Stay gold, childless adults. Stay gold, Papa Joe. Stay gold, stirring spills. (laughs) Stay gold, Fiona, you elderly killer. (laughs) Stay gold, Jessica. Stay gold, Lauren. Thank you for listening to Required Readcast. If you enjoyed the show, head over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave us a rating and or review. We're also available on Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at REQ Readcast. Required Readcast is produced by Sexpot Comedy. Theme music and lyrics by Max McEwen and Noah Evan Wilson. Vocals by Aaron C. Willis. Stay Stay gold, gold, bookworms! This has been a Sexpot Comedy Joint, collaborative, community-driven comedy produced by Andy Jewett and Kayvon Kalitvari. Headquartered in Denver, Colorado, with technical support from Isaac Miller. Every day at sexpotcomedy.com or at a show near you. Until next time, be well, friends. 